Hey everybody, Luke McElroy here and welcome back to another Physiology Secrets. I just got back from a hour and a half run with my mate Jacko. It's a 28 degree day today in Melbourne, which doesn't sound too warm, uh, but that is significantly warmer weather than what we have been experiencing experiencing in uh, Melbourne recently. So I wanted to just jump on for a quick podcast and just talk about the effects of, of he- particularly heat load, but also dehydration on endurance performance. A couple of tips and tricks on how we can sort of combat that to, our be- to the best of our ability. Uh, and also why it actually causes fatigue um, the longer you go. So basically the, we were just going out for a fairly easy sort of endurance zone run. Um, we ended up averaging just a fraction of a five minute Ks, so about 508 I think it was. But we started off going at a, at a comfortable sort of 440s and it got progressively harder as we went uh, as we as we got longer into the run there. So uh, basically what happened was I felt really good for about 6 Ks. Um, we passed we passed three drink stations or th- three drink taps in the hour and a half. So roughly, you know, one every half an hour. The first one was about 20 minutes in, then we had probably didn't get to another one for another 45 after that, and then there was one just before we finished. And I found that I really struggled in that middle period from the from the first drink tap to the second drink tap, okay? Um, in terms of clothing, you know, I was wearing running shorts, um, a black t-shirt, which I don't recommend, and I'll explain more in a sec, uh, and, a, and a hat as well. So, <clears throat> there's a few ways that the body produces heat. Obviously, the environment, uh, environmental temperature is a big one. So, 28 degree day, the direct sunlight is going to uh, create heat um, and store it in our body. Surfaces as well, so like running surfaces. So if you've got like um, the heat gets sort of trapped or, or reflected off like the concrete, for example, um, and that will essentially bounce back up and and um, get trapped in our body that way as well. Heat is attracted to black. So I wore a black t-shirt. So again, don't recommend that because black um, attracts heat. That's why your ovens, your stoves, your pots and pans, you know, they're all black because, because heat is attracted to black. So... Um, Tip straight off the bat is if you're going to go for a, a run in a hot day, try not to wear black. Try to wear lighter colours, white, uh, blue, or light, lighter blue, whatever it is. Just don't don't go for the for the black. Right? I've actually got a black tri suit just because it sort of suits with uh, the Mets colours, but um, I don't I don't recommend it. If you can avoid black, then then do that. Um, so yeah, what happened was when the when the body the body creates heat just through aerobic metabolism as well. So when we, when we use the, the oxygen system, the aerobic system, uh, we create heat, water, and carbon dioxide. Now, they're, they're non-fatiguing as long as we can control heat. All right? So water is created, which is good for us. Um, carbon dioxide, we just breathe it out. And heat is, is okay so long as we can, can control it through sweating, hydration, um, and other cooling strategies that way. So obviously it's already hot and when we start to start to run or ride or or whatever in the heat um, it's going to have a larger effect the way that we get rid of heat is through redistribution of blood flow so that we start to sweat so when we go from rest to exercise our blood gets redistributed away from the organs that we don't need at the current time to the working muscles to obviously fuel our performance so um, you probably would have heard that when you want to consume uh, the, the sort of foods that you should consume during a race are high GI or high in sugar. Okay, so what the reason that we want them to be high in sugar is because they're more simply digestible. Because when we're running, the blood goes away from the 
the organs we don't need. So we don't need it in the digestive system. We don't necessarily need it in the liver, the kidneys, all those sort of things. We still keep it in the, in the brain and the heart and, and, the, and the vital organs, but those non-essential organs, the blood goes away from them so the blood can go to the working muscles to fuel our performance. So if we have less blood in the digestive system, we're not gonna be able to digest food as quickly. Therefore, we need to, to um, consume very easy to digest foods, which are those simple sugars, um, bananas, the high GI sort of stuff. You don't want to go and eat a steak while you're going for a, a long run. <clears throat> so the blood will go, to the, will go to the working muscles, but when you start to warm up and, and your core body temperature increases, the blood will also go to the surface of the skin to start sweating. So what it does now, it's sort of got a it's got a few things it needs to do. It still goes away from the non-vital organs. It goes to the working muscles, but also needs to go to the skin as well. And the blood will go to the skin as a priority over going to the working muscles. The body wants to cool itself down more than it wants you to, to perform you know, a PB in a run or a ride or whatever you're doing, okay? So the body is always in survival, well, not always, but it, it, it wants to survive over performance. So when it starts to get hot and your core body temperature increases, that blood will now go some of that from, will go away from the working muscles to the surface of the skin. So it goes um, to the skin, which basically makes you start sweating. It secretes, it secretes your sweat glands. That sweat will then evaporate into the air and will release our heat into the environment and cool our body down that way. Obviously, the more we sweat, the more dehydrated we become and we, we can you know, combat that to an extent by consuming fluids. A couple of fluids that you can consume we call them hypotonic, isotonic, or hypertonic sports drinks. So your hypotonic is better for hydration. That's your Endura sort of drinks. It's got low calories, so low sugar, but it has high electrolytes, which is good for rehydration. Your isotonic one is the one that most people would use. You've got your Powerade isotonic, your Gatorades, um, your Proformance, they're all isotonic. So that gives you an even balance between uh, refueling carbohydrates and also hydrating as well. On the other side, we've got hypertonic. Hypertonic is really high in sugar and very low in electrolytes. So that's like at the end of like an Ironman event. Um, you've got your Cokes, you've got your Red Bulls, um, the things that are high in sugar but don't necessarily rehydrate you. So on a hot day, you recommend the isotonic. Um, if, you, if you're going to be running or training for more than two hours, um, then you definitely want to go with the isotonic. If it's going to be less than two hours, it's just a hot day, you go the hypotonic, so things like Endura where we're not going to run out of energy in two hours, um, so we just have to worry about hydration. Now, what happens when, when the blood's redistributed is your heart rate's going to increase. So if you go out for a run or a ride um, or, or whatever on a, on a hot day, you probably notice if you wear a heart rate monitor that your heart rate is significantly higher when it's, when it's really hot. So my heart rate was about eight to 10 beats higher than it would normally be running at that pace. Um, and the reason that was is because I was hot and I could feel it. I, I was super hot. I wasn't used to, 28 degrees isn't even that hot compared to like Kona and all the rest. But um, when you're not used to it, because Melbourne's been, you know, 14, 15 degrees, um, it does shock your body and shock your system there. So my heart rate was higher because it was, it was beating faster to try to send blood to the skin to sweat. It was also trying to maintain blood flow to the muscles so that I could still exercise. Um, and there was very little, very little blood in the digestive system and other non-essential organs there. So because I was getting warmer and warmer, um, the body needed to cool myself down through sweating. So I had less, oh, I didn't necessarily have less blood in the legs, but I had a higher heart rate, I had a higher anaerobic contribution 
because the anaerobic system is going to give me energy a lot quicker than the aerobic system. So I had a lot of lactic acid in the legs. I started to fatigue, started to feel lightheaded and slow down that way. So what I did is I got to the second drink station, um, pulled the shirt off. So I didn't, so um, basically increased the surface area that, that uh, the sweat could then evaporate from. So I took my shirt off, um, covered myself in, in water, basically just poured water on the head. Uh, took my hat off as well because you lose heat most quickly from your head and your feet. So if you're hot, you should take a hat off and put water there. Um, and that actually really cooled me down quite significantly. So I just stopped for about two or three minutes, uh, poured water everywhere, took the shirt off, um, cooled down, and I noticed immediately my heart rate dropped by you know six to seven beats, uh, just with a, a three or four minute recovery there. Now this is all well and good, but there's gonna come a point where dehydration takes over. Um, so an hour and a half, that's an effective strategy, just cool yourself down. But obviously you're sweating as you, as you continue to exercise. So what happens when you start to dehydrate is that you lose blood plasma, okay? So the plasma, the blood's made up of, of a few components. We've got your red blood cells, which carry oxygen, your white blood cells, which, carry, which um, fight infection, and your platelets, which is all to do with blood clotting. Those three things make up what we call um, your hematocrit, and the rest is all fluid. So generally you've got about 45% of your blood is made up of the, the actual components, the red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets. About 55% is made up of fluid and plasma, basically water, okay? So when we sweat, we start, we, we sweat, we start to um, sweat out that plasma, so we decrease our blood volume. When our blood volume decreases, it becomes thicker because there's less fluid involved, there's less fluid in the blood. If your blood becomes thicker, it gets harder to circulate. If it gets harder to circulate, or we have less total blood volume, which we do because we sweated a lot of it out, we're gonna get less blood coming back to the heart. Okay, so we've gone from having, I don't know, six liters of blood in there to only having four liters because we sweated out all this, all this plasma. That's an exaggeration, but you, you see the, the math there. So we're gonna have less blood coming back to the heart, therefore we're gonna have less blood being circulated from the heart per beat. So in order to try to keep our blood flowing as quickly as it was, we're gonna increase our heart rate as well. We're gonna get lower blood pressure if we become dehydrated. Again, because there's less, less blood being pumped around, so there's less pressure in the arteries. Uh, you can start to feel lightheaded. And there's gonna come a point where your body goes into to severe survival mode, and it says, look, you've already sweated out as much plasma as I can let you sweat out. If you sweat out more blood plasma, my blood, the blood's gonna become too thick. I'm not gonna be able to circulate it because it's just too hard, it's too sludgy, and there's not enough fluid involved. Um, so I'm gonna stop you sweating, all right? So there comes extreme circumstances, really common in Kona. Um, if anybody's seen that video with Sean Welsh crawling to the line, um, Jonathan Brownlee at Mexico World Champs, I think it was two years ago, in the Olympic distance, he got about 500 meters from the finish line and all of a sudden just hit the wall, but not hit the wall, it's not the right term, but he, he stopped uh, and, he, and his legs were all, all cramping up and he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, he, he was delirious. He didn't know where he was. So what happens there is that your body stops sweating because it can't lose any more fluid. Therefore your core body temperature is gonna keep increasing because we actually lose 70 to 80% of our heat load through evaporative cooling, through sweating. So if we can't sweat, we're gonna accumulate a lot of heat. We, we lose, our six, we lose sorry, 70 to 80% of our ability to lose heat because we can't sweat anymore. So what happens, is core body temperature increases, it gets to a point where we get um, the, the central nervous system, the brain, 
it stops sending motor signals to your legs or to your muscles, working muscles, because it's basically saying, all right, you've gotten to the point where you're so hot that if we, go any, if we get any hotter, you're gonna to start to denature your enzymes, you're gonna to start to basically kill the body and kill the cells inside your body, so I'm gonna make you stop and stop sending motor signals. So that's when we see that crawl to the line. Now obviously that wasn't a concern today because it was only an hour and a half, but you do see towards the end of a marathon or an Ironman or, or whatever event it is, if it's a really hot day, that people are crawling over the line, um, they, they, they're you know, forced to walk or crawl just because they can't, uh, they've gotten so hot, they've lost so much fluid that their brain is now shutting off um, and not letting them finish the race. So that's pretty dangerous. You see them all getting carted off by wheelchairs straight to the ambulance um, on an IV drip to recover from that. So I'm just getting sidetracked here, but another, another point to make is that it's really hard to race in humid environments. Heat, heat is one thing, but humidity is even worse because when you're in a humid environment, your ability to evaporatively cool um, decreases significantly. Like if you go to a, you know, Singapore or Malaysia where it's very humid, uh, you don't you, you sweat, but you don't you don't that sweat doesn't evaporate. It just stays on you. Like it's just you're just wet all the time. So you lose you lose that um, that seventy to eighty percent ability to, to lose heat, which is why you you always or most of the time you'll see that the local athletes in Singapore, Malaysia, those sort of climates, they'll always beat um, you know the Australians or whoever travel over there because they're more acclimatised to that heat. When it comes to heat acclimatisation, a lot of people get this wrong. Um, you need at minimum 14 days to properly acclimatise to the heat. So heat acclimatisation is all to do with, basically the end goal of it is to increase your sweat rate while re reducing your sodium loss in that sweat. So you want to sweat more so that you can cool yourself down because we, we, we lose 70-80% of our heat load through sweating but we don't want to lose the sodium and the electrolytes because then we're going to start to cramp. So it takes on average a minimum of 14 days to increase sweat rate, reduce our sodium loss so that we become acclimatized to the heat. If you want to go over longer before that, that's great. Um, but if you're doing a you know, Kona or World Championships or somewhere where it's a really hot and humid environment, you want to allow at least 14 days to go over. If you can't go over, then you know, go to the bathroom, chuck on the hot taps, steam it up and, and try to replicate that environment as much as you can. Uh, so yeah, look, I'll, I'll wrap it up because I'm starting to ramble again. Um, take home points is that on hot days, your heart rate's gonna increase because your blood is being redistributed to the skin to try to help you to sweat and cool down. Ways to combat that, try to wear loose-fitted clothing, avoid wearing black. If you can take your shirt off, then do that, that's cool. Just put some sunscreen on, uh, get water on you, um, take a hat off. If you can take socks off if you're not gonna get uh, blisters, that's a good idea too, just to try to, to increase our heat loss through those methods. And if it's sort of more than an hour and a half, two hours, then dehydration is gonna be a massive factor. So just try to get isotonic drinks. So that's an equal balance between hydration and carbohydrates or hypotonic, which is low carbs but high uh, electrolytes, such as electrolyte there, um, sorry, Endura. Try to get that stuff in as much as you can because once you become dehydrated, that's when it's really, really, really hard to, uh, to, to start to lose that heat. Once you become dehydrated, it's, it's, uh, it's damage control. It's pretty much game over. You're not gonna do too well after that. 
Hopefully that was useful, guys. Uh, any questions, let me know. Otherwise, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers.